What's up, guys? This is a podcast, Cutter Nation podcast 50. We made it to 50. Um, Cass, Taylor, me. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Let everybody know what Cutter Nation is all about. Presentation, there's a lot of really review. But one of the, I wrote down some key things that they talked about, like their business model, what they're doing is how it's like systems, not savants. Like, so it's not a bunch of geniuses running around that are just creating, you know, like everybody's solely focused on things. But if you run the program, if you run the system to what they have, then you're going to be able to get what you can out of it. And just sprinkle on the magic of what you're doing. Skill they said kind of smart people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, they're not average, they're above average, and that's why, but they also talked about, like, the need to have um, a pretty big filter on who they hire, because as soon as you're on board, that first year you get $1,000. So interns, everybody up the whole chain, allegedly, I, I could be misquoting them, but I'm pretty sure they get $1,000 a year to do whatever they need to do, and that could be education, so, like, get your... Um, go get TPI certified, down-based use certification. It, that could be a thing, and then you're done for the year. Or it could be like, I'm going to buy, you know, seven BOSU balls. You know, you never know. So, how, much is, how much is a regular BOSU ball? I don't know. I, I, I That's why I said seven. I don't know. Full work. I bought a thousand by seven. <laughs> yes, whatever. <laughs> um... When running a facility, I like to say you have to be a baseball minimalist, you know, which is just that's just a good business angle. Let's just keep it running tight ship as best as you can. There's a writing idea that Cass and I had that we're going to try to implement in the world. It's like uh, um, once, so we have a rotation. So every quarter, someone needs to write an article, and we have three months to write the article. And then like, it'll just rotate. So you end up getting like six months each time to write your article. And by the time you're doing everything, as it rotates through and stuff. So um, it could be about anything. Like anything, and then we're just going to put it on the blog and, and just start publishing things, even if it's like a research thing. On, like, I thought it was one every blog. three months. That's what I'm saying. But if yeah. one person posts one every three yeah, months. Yeah, so, so you do one, then I do one, then yeah. Taylor does one. Yeah. Then you do one, then I do one, then Taylor does so one. So you would basically have nine months of one, so that would be every quarter. What we're trying to do is get it out, and then eventually we get good at it, maybe every two months or every month, and just then, then it just kind of keeps one, one every month keeps coming in. And so what it has to, like, the only way this makes any sense is if we treat it like something that is worth publishing. Right? Because if we have, if we're giving it a lot of time, so then, like, use that time. And that's going to be the hard part about it. Because what's really obvious is, like, we met a kid about Lennon. Lennon, with, uh, he's with up in Canada. Remember that kid? Okay, so he's, like, 21 years old, and he's in, he's in some serious conversations about player development because of the things that he's writing. And so, you know, I don't think you need to think about it from a... I, I think the point is, is to write something that you feel like you should be writing about. And that's the only thing that's important, right? Because it needs to be worth putting in something. We're looking up articles and stuff. So if it's yeah, strength and conditioning about you, I, I'm not telling you to cite sources. I'm saying just whatever it is, like, that's where it should be coming from. Yeah. But just try to I make like it that. as professional as you possibly can. Whether you're citing sources or... I think you should cite to it. I think it should just be... Well, sure. You know, as comprehensive of a situation of whatever, whatever concept or idea you're trying to talk about. Even if it's just, like, your experience of you playing. 
that's just like some kind of story that you want to tell or this and that, you know? I think it's just going to have a lot of value to... So the easiest way to write is to have a problem. So whatever the problem is that you feel like is worth talking about and you can't have it solved, that's how you write well. Apparently. I have I have an article that I need to go find that I wrote a long time ago about the first time I fell in love with pitching my dominant. And I'll, I'll send it to you guys, but I have it. It's, it's been this idea of a short story thing that I have or animated. When did you do this? A couple weeks ago when I was in the bus. So, longer than that, I wrote it. How about your playing stuff? Yeah, I distinctly remember this situation. It was when I was 12, and I understood like what what being good at something really was. I was still good. So, the idea that okay, so almost everything that you well, I don't know if it's almost it seems like everything that you remember is because it invokes some sort of like strong emotional something reaction to that right and so whether that's strong uh, negative or positive it's like that's typically the common denominator behind those so everything that makes you remember it is worth going back and thinking about and so I've never thought about this before but if you rewrote your life Okay, as vividly as you possibly can, it might be one of the most cathartic things you could ever do. Is because it's forcing you to think about it in a different time. You've never actually gone and revisited that. You just remember it, but you haven't actually gone and like thought about it. And it had never occurred to me that that was a positive. No, I, it reminds me a lot of the Jordan Peterson thing where like it's easy to connect the dots going backwards, but going forwards is very hard to connect the dots. And so he's like, I, I, he said, I don't even think about my past. I don't think about my past. I'm like, that's crazy. And obviously he must a little bit, but if you if you organize it and go back enough, and like I'm go, I'm relating this to writing because you can that's how you can write is you can draw on those past emotions and then you can you can actually think critically about those experiences and then you go okay what is the learning what what should I learn from this how do I take something away from this because then you can shut that door and now you can very tightly have that memory and a purpose and you don't have to like feel anything about it besides whatever it is that you felt about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I really like this idea of writing stuff. You guys should. I think there is some, quite a bit of stuff that I can. And this is what I was telling him is like this, it not only is this helpful for yourself, but like it's what, it's the only way to be attractive to anybody in this market because Gosh, I, I mean, one of the biggest uh, anxieties that I have is I think I'm fairly competent at this, and I have nothing to, to show for it. Like, I have a bunch of people, other people's opinions. Hey, can you all vouch for me? Hey, all those people, like, that's it. What are all these other people that are yeah, like that? Do they have people vouch Well, there's qualifying or? positions, right? So if you, you know, just think about it. You can you can qualify it yourself. Like, what do you think is qualified? Like, if somebody coached at a D three for three years, how much does that qualify me? But if I coach five years at a D one, does that qualify me more? And for some people, that's a huge yes. You know, so then some of them are very obvious. Where it's like, if I tell somebody that I did four hundred and seventy three hours of private instruction in two thousand seventeen. Nobody even understands 
if that's good or bad. Do you know if that's good or bad? I don't even know if that's good or bad. I know it's a ton of hours, and it, for, it took me forever to get close to that. And that wasn't even counting. I probably had two to three times that much actually invested in baseball that year because that was just private instruction. That wasn't camps. That wasn't games that I went to. Well, I think what's big for that for that then is continuing to push out content on like exactly stuff and having people come across it and be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about, and then that's when they start dodging. Exactly. So. That's also why we need to revamp the website because it needs to be more intuitive and that writing section and the blog and the other ideas and things that we have will help, will help tell the story of, of the experience of what you have. People can read about it and research it on the head of, ahead of time and we can cut down a little bit, little bit of this lack of knowing who we are and what we're about and how we do things like that. So, even some of the stuff that I've been... I don't know, like, you, you like the phrases thing. I have some more that I haven't even, like, sent to you guys, but I found myself writing an email, and I kept a part that was about John and the program, and I'm like, oh, that's not appropriate here anymore, but I should save it because it might be appropriate in a different context. So... I keep on wanting to, like, relate this. If we do, if this is a podcast and we're posting it, like, the kids, Jordan Peterson brings this up. It's such a smart thing to, to tell younger kids. It's like, it sucks that we have to write about things when we're younger that we don't care about. Because if you just had kids write about things that they cared about, they would write way better. And they would learn how to make something Good. No, I think that's the basis of everything I try to do. Explain to little kids is give them a real why. Yeah. I never got the why. No. It was just because oh, you were told to do this, and then that, that doesn't create a good life. It also makes me think about like how martial artists do it, and like they are allowed to have conversations or do certain things in certain ways, but also they're not allowed to do it other ways. Having that freedom of, of being able to have a real conversation about the movements of what you're doing is way more about the coach tapping into the psyche of the other person and trying to learn how that person thinks about moving and, and, and communicate those ideas in their own language. Yeah. They're not learning, you're not teaching. Yeah. That's why that video you posted that you put on YouTube uh, is going to be so valuable for us. Like, oh, I know. We can just keep getting more and more. Of our let's let's go off on go let's go off on that. Okay, so so we were talking earlier about the not. Um, what were we talking about earlier? Oh my gosh. Uh, that we don't. The best coaches don't actually know anything. And um, so this idea that if. If the more that you know, in co so there's actually an upside down bell curve where it's like at the if you look at up on the left, this is the beginner, super confident, and the more they know, the less they are confident, right? And I've told Taylor that like I feel like I'm kind of on the up and up. Like before I moved here, there were a lot of things in my way. I didn't see the swing very well, so I felt not very confident about that. But now like I've seen some things. But the point is, is that the more that you know, the less you want to actually get in the way so like good teachers are actually ones that don't get in the way of their kids and and that's what the biggest thing that we're seeing now is if you go to 1975 and you go down the average kid's street everybody's outside at the local park playing baseball or doing something so free play was all a thing like everybody just did it because parents couldn't literally couldn't watch their kids because they had to do shit and and now it's like I've told people like we're literally paying people are paying for us to give them free play and they just don't know it and they just don't know that it's that valuable because it is right it's 
the best teachers know how to not be in the way. Like, and that keeps coming up over and over and over again. But the kids figure it out themselves in a way. But you have to, so it's like, okay, so what, what your job is as a teacher is essentially like, you have this maze of options and you want them to, this is the best analogy, okay? If you have um, a thousand outfits in your closet that are like all ready to go right now, it's like super overwhelming. Like even you will go, what the heck should I do? Okay. And, and so you, what you want to do is just three options, right? To put them in a, a context, put them in an environment, put them in whatever situation that is appropriate for their age where they don't have many options, right? And this is where like you put them at the beginning of the throwing progression. The point of an opposite foot first or a knee to knee sound is that they don't have any options. And then you just have to iterate this beyond just drills, right? You have to actually act in that way. Right? So you don't want me to call pitches, right? As the coach kid telling the kids, you don't want me to call pitches. Well, here are your options. Make better decisions or give it very, you know, give them three options. And one of them better be, you know, me not calling pitches. You can't give them all the options where you're actually not giving them options. So I don't know where I'm going with it there, but. Um, it's unfortunate that it's so hard to get it right <laughs> because there isn't any incentive for volunteer coaches to get it right. What's the incentive? Right? So unless that's like completely in accordance with how they act all of the time, if they completely have their things together in all aspects of life, which most of us don't, most people can't be a good coach unless they have some sort of expertise. Unless they just realize that that's not what's important at all. And that's really hard to get some people to understand. That's why I keep growing. So, so why? The expertise part. So you maintain your, you continue to be an expert. Yep. And, and I don't throw, so I have to make up for that in how much I ask people who do throw what they're experiencing. And so I'm very in tune with what they're doing. Because I sure as heck don't know. I don't know what you're feeling. We've talked about this all of the time. We can't. But I can know enough about the human body, and I can know enough about the human psyche to make better decisions onto, well, wouldn't, it's just this simple. I always talk about it in, like, polarization. Like, would you rather be in an environment where it's super loud or super quiet? Well, maybe somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like, would you rather have too much energy or not energy at all? It's like, maybe that one I want more. Maybe I'm more likely to be somebody, and maybe you're somebody who's so out of control all of the time that you need to compete in a more chilled out environment. I don't, we can start having these conversations right away. And we can typically agree on a lot of those things. But what's so obvious is how many people don't even think about these things, right? All you have to do is think simply about them. So what should you spend your time doing in practice, right? How often do bunts happen? How often do you spend, how many hours of your practice do you spend covering that? What is the ratio? How efficient are you being in those things? It seems like that's really low-hanging fruit. Because as a parent, what do you have to do? You have to manage a, ton, a, a huge schedule. Here's what you look at. But that's what you have to do. Right? You have to manage this huge schedule. You have to be able to not freak out about that. And then you put them on a baseball field and it's like, it becomes different and it's the same exact thing. But it's made to be seem different because it's like, keep your eye on the ball, Johnny. 
No, that's you, you guys don't know this because you don't see me hitting. Like that is the dumbest thing I've ever. Heard. Keep your eye on the ball. You think I'm not looking at this ball right now? Like that's the assumption, right? You are. You only, so, see, you only see the ball for like. Right, and the, the actual science the behind seeing feet. it, like you, shows that you don't know what you're talking about. But like, really, you're talking to your kid or these kids as if they're so dumb that they won't look at the ball when they're going to swing at it. Tell me a better explanation of that phrase. Look at the ball. Right? Just like throw strikes. Two See, most, the, ball. See two, the ball. Hit the ball. Two most unproductive things that you possibly can say. Wow. That was a rant. That was a rant and a half. Um... <clears throat> Let's see. Let's find some other good ones.